Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Today, let's dive into our topic today because we got a lot of ground to cover. If God's loving, then why would he send somebody to hell? And this message today... Um, a lot of it, um, I, I, just so you guys know, there's a, there's a guy named Andy Stanley, a pastor, and he did a series, about a six-week series called Who Needs God a couple years ago. And so a lot of what I'm going to talk about today um, kind of comes from that. And so you can go to whoneedsgod.com and you can see all of those messages. And it's pretty uh, phenomenal. It's impacted my life over the past couple years. And so a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about today kind of comes from uh, Pastor Andy Stanley. Now... When we talk about hell, let me just kind of set a foundation. We're going to talk about it from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical uh, point of view. So here's what the Bible says about that. So if you're taking notes, the first thing about hell, why does it even exist in the first place? And it exists for God to deal righteously with Satan. Okay? In Scripture, Matthew chapter 25 Jesus says this, he says, Then the king, he's telling a parable about the end times, which we also talked about that in week one of this series. But he said in, in Matthew 25, as he's telling this story, he says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. So at the end, at the end times, there's going to be a judgment and he said, hey, for those who are, are going to go to hell, he says it is actually a place that is prepared for the devil and his demons. Now, if you know anything about Satan and his history in the Bible context, he was once an angel. He was in heaven. Um, and, and the Bible uh, gives some, some indication that he tried to elevate himself above God. And that's a bad idea. Anytime you or an angel or a demon or anyone would want to do that, and God said, uh-uh, you can't do that. And you are now have a place prepared for you, hell, where you're going. So that's, that's Satan. Now, Satan, we also know through Scripture, has some authority now. Like he's, he's destined for hell. It's a place that's prepared for him, but he has authority on earth now. And, and we talk about that in, in, um, on, when we preach a lot, when we talk a lot. Um, and if I were Satan, knowing that that's my destination and his goal is anti-God, um, I would try to, to make hell a place that you don't think exists. Like, it's not a real place. That's one strategy that I would take um, in that. Another strategy I would take, if I can't get you to believe that it's not real, I would try to make you believe that it's maybe not as bad as, as what you think it might be. Like we, we kind of have those jokes where you, you, you know, oh, well, we're going to, you know, the person goes to hell and there's Satan. He's got his pitchfork with him and he's like welcoming everybody in. He's like, okay, partiers, you know, there's, you're over there this way. Pirates and, you know, you guys over here. Cowboy fans, here's your place here. Cat lovers, there's a special place for you uh, back there. I don't like cats, okay? You know, and we laugh about that. It's funny. And we would, you know, there's nothing wrong to, to joke about that. But I think Satan would like us to maybe think that it's not just, it's not that bad of a place. You know, it's just like uh, we just kind of continue on living and it's a big giant party. And that's just not what scripture teaches about hell. It's a very real place. And, and not only does it, is it a place for God to deal righteously with Satan, 
Hell exists for God to deal righteously with unbelievers. That's why it exists. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, okay, the judgment day, we talked about that week one of the series. You can watch it online if you missed it. We asked the question, are we living in the end times? Um, he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. So hell exists, if you're taking notes, to deal righteously with Satan and to deal righteously with unbelievers. How could a loving God um, send someone to hell? Well, he's going to punish evil and those who do not want a relationship with him. And to answer the question, that's kind of it. I mean, there's more in scripture that we could look at. But as I was prepping this message, I, I would say, if we just left it at that, why would God do it? He's going to deal with people who, have, who don't want a relationship with him. He's going to deal with Satan. We'd be like, ah. It's not kind of why we're really asking the question, right? There's something a little bit more to it, something a little bit deeper than that. I mean, that's the what. But we're not quite satisfied. Why? Because there's a tension here. There's a tension when, when we see pain and suffering in the world. How could a, how could a, a, a good God allow this to happen. When we see um, something that's evil that's happening and we, there's that tension. Well, there's a good God, but then there's this evil. There's a good God, but then there's this place called hell. And, and that's where I really want to take this sermon today is dealing with, with that tension. Because our logic goes, if God is good, then he would. Or if God could, then he would. So, if these things exist, then he's either lacking good or he's lacking could. There's something in his, in his morality or there's something in his character that, that can't quite deal with these things. And for some of us, it has caused us to take that leap. Well, he must, he, he's either lacking good or he's lacking could. And so it's made, it, we've jumped to the conclusion of, well, then God must not exist. Because these things, if he's good, he would have already taken care of it. How would a good God allow that? And I would just say that argument really has nothing to do with the existence of, of God or not. It, evil, suffering, pain, hell, the, the fact that those exist do not, is not an argument for God. It's also not an argument against God. Um, my son... Whom I love. He's sitting back there. His birthday's coming up in, in two days. Um, you could ask him later about me and, and my parenting style. And he might like some things, but you might talk to him. And you're like, well, he, he does, my dad does this, and my dad does this, and I don't like him. And then he yelled at me, and then he did this, and he was a Christian jerk to me, and all these things. That could be true, but it doesn't mean that I don't exist. You might question my character. You might be frustrated with me as his dad, but I still exist. And so that argument, well, these things exist, so God must not. It, it, evil, pain, suffering, hell, they're not arguments for or against God. They're powerful. They are emotional. They're big questions, and I, and I get it, but it really has nothing to do with the logic of does God exist or not, because he either does or he doesn't. And the classic case for God existing is you exist. 
you did not come from nothing. In fact, anything, something never came from nothing. So therefore, there must be a creator. All the things that you see that are nature, that are natural, that are created, came from something that is what? Supernatural, beyond the created. And we call that the creator. And we believe Jesus is the representation of that creator. Jesus is God. So I just, I'm making the point here, in case you're like, what's he, what's he getting at? The fact that we have evil, the fact that we have a hell, does not do anything for the logical, the conclusion that a lot of us arrive to, well, God must not exist. It has nothing to do with that argument whatsoever. So we gotta, de- we gotta deal with this tension. We gotta dive into it um, to see, because it makes perfect sense, I would say, then, it would make perfect sense to be frustrated with God and maybe his character, maybe some of his decisions, but it would not make sense to say, well, God doesn't exist. Okay? So we're going to dive into this. What does the God of the Bible have to say about all this tension? What does Jesus have to say? And he does say some things. Let's start with the first part of this question. If God is loving, let's start with that phrase and let's kind of talk about that. If God is loving... If you believe that, where did you get that from? Who, who told you that God is loving? You didn't just make that one up in your head. Somebody, somebody told you that. And somebody, whoever told you that, maybe it was grandma, maybe your mom or your dad or a Sunday school teacher or somebody else, I don't know. Somebody told them that. Where did that come from? The idea that God is a loving God. If you do a, a history lesson on gods, it didn't come from the Egyptian gods. You didn't, you didn't get it from the, in Jesus' time, the Roman gods or the, or the Greek gods or the local gods of those communities. At best, maybe they provided some protection every now and then or if they felt like intervening in the world, maybe they would provide some blessing. But the idea of a loving God did not come from other gods. The idea... That a, love, that a loving God exists, if you believe that, originated with Jesus. It originated with Christianity. That's where, you, that's where we pull that from. The idea that God is love. Jesus was born into a time in history when the Jews, the Jewish territory was occupied by Roman government. And that time period knew nothing, knew nothing of dignity for all people. Women in that time, children in that time, people with illnesses, disabilities, poverty in that time were not all considered equal. In that time period, it was might equals right. You had the money, you had the power, you determined the rules and you set them. You said this is how things go. The idea that everyone had dignity came from Jesus. Jesus was born into that time period. And he taught that everybody, every single human being is worthy of dignity, is worthy of love. He was having a conversation with a gentleman named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a a teacher of of the Jewish um, um, religion. Jesus was a Jew. And, And Nicodemus is like, who trying to figure out who Jesus is in this conversation. And if you ever read John chapter 3, it's one of the most popular verses in all of, of Scripture, John three sixteen, And Jesus just flat out tells them, For God so loved the 
Say it with me if it's up on the... Yes, it is. Say it with me. For God so loved the world. He did not teach, for God so loved the Jews, only us. I mean, we know that in the Old Testament, if you read it, hey, you are the chosen nation. I've chosen the nation of Israel, and out of you is going to be the, the Savior of the world. But he said, everybody, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It was introduced by Jesus. So if you're rolling with that, not only did John write that in 3.16, he wrote a couple other letters. In 1 John, he said, love comes from God. And in 4.8, he says, for God is love. You've got to think, John's writing this after Jesus has already ascended into heaven, and he's trying to capture who this Jesus is. And, he, you know, you might be wanting to think, well, God loves Ah, the Jews. Gosh, that just does not sound right. Even though I was raised in that tradition, it just that's not the Jesus that I knew. Jesus loved everybody. And he taught that, and he lived it. He claimed that he was God. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He ascended to heaven. We saw it all. And this is who he was. So all that to say, if you're rolling with the mindset that God is love, know that you are getting that from Christianity. So let's deal with the second half of this question then. If God is love, if God is loving, then why would he send someone to hell? So if we're going to answer that question, if we're going to answer the first part of it on, from Christianity, and say if God is loving and we're going to get that from Christianity, you've got to understand that you've got to roll with the second side on Christianity too. We can't just make up our own gods. What did, what did the God of Christianity, what did Jesus say about this? Because... We want to stop right there and say, I believe God is love, God is love, God is love. I just like the God is love part. Can we just have that piece and that's it? But Jesus did teach that God is love. But guess what? That is not all he taught. That is not all that he taught. He also, he also taught that God is just. That the God that we serve is a loving God, but he also is a very just God. I got a picture that I want to show you guys. Um, many of you, when you see it, you'll know exactly what that is. How many of you remember where you were when you first heard about that? Okay, yes. If you were alive, some, I realize it blows my mind. Some of you guys were not even alive when this happens, and it's like, what? But anyway, I was in college. I was um, um, getting ready for my calculus class of, of all things that I did not want to go to, but my roommate's mom gives me a call. And says, Mike, you and Jonathan, do, be careful where you're going. We are under attack. And I'm like, under attack? What are you talking about? She's like, turn on the news. And then we just watched that whole thing play out. And you remember where you were and how all that went down. Now, I bring this up just to say there were millions of people on this planet that saw that and thought it was wrong. It was a grave injustice. I'm going to focus on this word justice. But there were also millions of people on this planet that saw that and said, that was justice being served. And so, all, all I want to point out here, all I want to point out here is, who's right? Who gets to determine if this is right or wrong? Because people were, if you go global on this thing, people were all over on whether this was right or wrong. If you were in the, I see this, World Trade Center bombing, and I think it's wrong, you didn't just sit there and think, well, that's wrong. 
you wanted justice. You wanted some sort of vindication. Who did this? You didn't just shrug your shoulders. All of us remember. Why? Because there was a grave injustice done. And we wanted it investigated. We wanted to know what and why and who. We wanted justice. And Jesus taught that God is just. And let me just say the point here is that justice only comes with God. You do not get justice and no God. If there is no God... You have no justice. All you are left with is nature. And nature, if you watch it, knows nothing of dignity, knows nothing of fairness, knows nothing of justice. Stephen Hawking, famous atheist who just recently passed away, talked this. He, he said, my only fear about my belief is this, the terror that stalks my mind. What's so, what's so bad about this, Stephen? My mind is that we have arrived on the scene because of evolution, because of natural selection. And natural selection also assumes natural rejection, which means we have arrived here because of our aggression. What's he saying here? Nature's cruel. There is no standard of justice in nature. It's everyone for themselves. So, if you live with a worldview where there is no God or where there is no standard for justice, then what we're left with, I got my version of justice, and you got your version of justice. And then there's the KKK's version of justice. There's Nazi justice. There's ISIS justice. There's rich person justice. There's majority rules justice. There's power justice. Everybody gets to pick what's right and wrong for them when you have no standard for justice. And we'll take that even to, well, how do I get to heaven, right? Let's talk about, well, how do I get to heaven? If there is no standard, well, I could ask, even in this, and maybe in this room, I could go and take a poll around the lab. How do, if they believe in heaven, but there is no standard, well, I don't know, be good. Okay, how much good do you got to do? Like, what's the standard? More than him? More than that person? Like, how, how much good do you got to do? Or is it one bad? Like, what's the levels? But if you ask a lot of people, how do you get to heaven if they believe in it, but they have no standard, that you're going to get that a lot. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that God is just. He said this. He was also telling another story about an unjust judge. And that unjust judge finally gave a just ruling. And he said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Jesus taught that God will be a just judge. No one's going to be in hell. No one's going to go to hell that in a way did not deserve it. Like when you look at scripture and Jesus cast out demons, or, or there's a few parables where it actually gives some pictures of, of, of people in hell. Not a single one of them is, um, uh, is complaining about an unjust ruling. God, you put me here, and I didn't deserve it. God, you, you, know, I, you know, when the demons cry out, they're like, stop torturing me. It's not anything about injustice. 
And one other thing about justice, one other thing about justice, I realize, I realize that this is, even for us in this room, for a lot of, this is uncomfortable. But just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's false. Like something can be uncomfortable and true at the, at the same time. But this is where it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. If you really want justice, this justice that we all crave and want, it has to come with a judgment. It must come with a judgment. Go back to the 9-11 uh, idea. We, we, we wouldn't have been satisfied if people just said, well, that was wrong, and that was really wrong. No, we wanted judgment. We wanted somebody to make it right. And that's exactly, that's exactly what our God of Christianity promises. That one day, everything that you see that's evil, that's painful, that's suffering, will be made right. And he is the one that's going to be the judge. So evil, injustice, hell are not arguments for or against God. They are evidence that we desperately need a God, that we desperately need a Savior. We see it, and it's wrong, and we ache for it to be made right. We need grace, and we need mercy. If there is no God, there is no standard, and that is a desperate dark, depressing situation. It's a, it's a cry out within us that says, God, we need a God in here. Which is why, which is why all of that to say this, this is why the gospel is the perfect solution to all of this. God knew he knew, even though he loved us, he knew we were all going to screw it up. He knew we were going to be sinful. He was going to give us the opportunity of a relationship, and he knew we were all going to blow it. And so instead of sending a judge, God sent a Savior. Jesus said this. He was... In John chapter 12, he says, I have come to save the world, not to judge it. Even though it needs to be judged. And we're all like, oh, there's so many things that need to be judged. Ah, I will do it one day. But before I come to judge, my mission is to save. And we are still a part of that mission here at Freedom Church. He's not judging yet. He's still on the mission of saving That's why I love the gospel. Because God has every right, every right to point the finger, judge, and, and it says, hey, for the payment of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Eternal, foreverly, forever separated from God. But he says, no, 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 no. I love you. If God is loving, I love you. I'm going to save you first. I'm going to provide you an opportunity to be saved. And you might be like, ah, I still, I just don't like this. I don't like the the fact that a loving God would send someone to hell. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, Jesus is not sending, God is not sending people to hell. He sent somebody. He sent a Savior. He sent Jesus. 
He's already made his choice on you. He's already made his choice on humanity. And he says, I love you. I choose every single one of you. Second Peter, Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, wrote a, wrote a couple letters that we have in Scripture. Second Peter 3.9 says, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So you've got to understand, God has made his choice that he loves everyone, but he will not make your choice for you. Forced love is not love. You have a choice in this matter too. And scripture clearly teaches, even though that I believe God is completely in control of things, I also believe when I read scripture, it says when I get to the end of my life and I face my judgment, that I am held completely responsible for the choice I make. Whether or not I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ or if I want to do things my own way. He will not make that choice for you. I mentioned my son, Jeremiah. He has a birthday coming up on Tuesday. And I'm going to use him as an illustration. He doesn't even know that I'm going to do this right now. Um, Jeremiah. Hey, bud. I have an early birthday present for you. He's sitting in the back. I don't know if he's going to come up or not. I'm serious. This is an early birthday present. If you come up here right now, I got a present for you. You can come on, you can come on up here. He's turning six in a couple days. We are, ex we are excited and pumped, yet at the same time as mom and dad, we are absolutely um, blown away. Yeah, come Okay. <laughs> See, he's a little bit in, in disbelief. Because we are usually like, you can't come up on the stage. Stay back. Stay back. Come on, buddy. Come on. You can come. This is for you. Okay? You can take this. You can go take it back to mommy. Okay? And uh, that's for you to open. You can open it back there in the back. Okay? You're welcome. That's my illustration. It would blow my mind if I had a gift for him and he just rejected it. It's your birthday. Here you go. This is presents all for you. And I screw up as a dad a ton, but I love him. So for me, the question of if God is loving, why would he send someone to hell is not... Not so hard. The, the one that has been blowing my mind all week long is if God is loving, who has a gift for you. You don't have to do, he didn't have to do anything to earn that. He just has to receive it. If God is loving, then why, why then would you reject it and walk away? See, I think if we really boil this down, if we really truly understand just how much God loves you, I think if you really understood just how much God loves you, I think if you really truly understood just how good of a judge he is and how just he is, if we really understood more about who God is, we would come running up here to receive the gift. And that's the gift that he gives. That's the gift that he gives. It's free to everyone. He has chosen you. He has chosen everyone. But he will not make that choice for you. One last thing that Jesus had in that conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is trying to figure out who he is. And he spoke of another type of birthday. 
He said, Nicodemus, if you want to be made right with God again, you have to be born again. And, and Nicodemus is like, what? No, I was born once. I can't like crawl into the womb. What are you talking about? He said, this isn't about the natural. This isn't about nature. This is a spiritual thing. This whole thing is spiritual. God loves you, died for you. You need to be spiritually reborn. Give your life to Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. And scripture says, when you give your life to Jesus, when you experience your birthday, spiritually speaking, there's a party in heaven for one sinner that repents. I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Let's with all our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.